Oh, you're a big guy. Oh, you're a big guy with a big haircut. Oh. All right. So today, this is a woman. Um, this is a woman that I saw right when she was getting on uh, Brew Hub Report. Actually, I think I was like, "You need to be on here, and I'm going to give you. Uh, you need to be on here, and I'm going to give you the thing. I've got to be able to like hold this microphone or something." <laughs> and so, but the audio is so bad on all of my podcasts because I'm like not used to talking into this thing. Um, but I, I saw you, and like you popped up on my stories, and I became aware that you're you're a single mom, and your son has a health condition. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. you? A- are you okay to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, no, I can. Um, I'm going to probably be popping around because he's on his ID of, back right now. He's connected to a little, little cord. But yeah, so when he was born or before I had him, actually, when I was pregnant, he uh, had gastroschisis, which um, his intestines developed outside of his body. Oh, baby. Oh, sweet love. You're such a sweetheart. You're such a sweetheart. Look at this guy. Look at this guy in his spacesuit. Wow. We love the moon. Oh, I love the moon too. Can you say moon? Yeah, he's so he's almost two. He can't talk yet. Great. This is all he does. Um, Yes, Scooby Doo. Yeah, buddy. Um, so he had to have 90% of his small intestines removed at birth. Oh boy. Wow. That must've been so scary for you. Um, yeah, it's a huge, huge, long, awful story. Um, his dad was extremely abusive, like oh, in I'm every so way. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. I'm healing. Definitely healing. I'm in a safe spot, but, um, his dad just made everything so much harder and he was in the NICU for like three months. Um, we initially did it together, the whole medical stuff, but I left him. I was just done. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to live around that type of abuse and like lack of empathy. Yeah. I see. So this little, for people that are just listening to this right now, I'm talking to a mom on zoom and I can see in the background, her little one-year-old who's attached to an IV right now. This is not going to be like optimal talking time for this mom, but it doesn't matter. Um, what I wanted to I, I saw, I was like, you know what? There's a single mom with a bunch of tattoos working hard to support her, her, her family, but also her son's got health issues. Like, look, a lot of us are so, I never use the word privilege, but like, I know a lot of moms who have babies with health issues. Shit is hard, dude. It is yeah. hard. And I've been watching this woman's stories and stuff and the things that are a part of her daily life seriously like so tough and she just so what i wanted to ask you um because i think it's a really good practice of always having a list going of what it is that we need or what it is like what it is that we need and i i know you're new on brew hub report but on the new moon circles where the whole vision board concept is to just get us really comfortable with what it is that our desires are um but like how are you supporting yourself how are you doing for money like how are you do you have girlfriends do you have help like um, How are you doing this? Okay, so I got really lucky. It's kind of a long story. Um, my family doesn't have a lot of money, and I kind of knew I was screwed. Like, I thought I was screwed when I was with his dad. And yeah, the yeah. one person that my mom told me to reach out to is my step aunt, who is uh-huh. a lawyer, and she's like, bad, she's a badass bitch. Like, yeah, yeah. She, 
is the head of a law firm. Like she's the breadwinner of her whole family. Like she's got enough money to do whatever she wants. And I told her my story and I was in beauty school when I was pregnant with him and I had to drop out so that I could work because his, his dad couldn't keep a job. Um, and so I'm living with them. I've been living with them for a year, going through to school full time. Hi, buddy. Oh, baby. Yeah, say hi. Hi. What's his name? Ajani. Ajani? Yes. Wow. They, it means he who wins the struggle. And you. Oh, my baby. He who wins the struggle. That's so sweet. Look, look where I'm heading. He, okay, he who wins the struggle? Yeah. Did yeah. He who wins the struggle. Did you name him before he was born? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I know. Wow. What an Pretty incredible, crazy. what an incredible name. Yeah. Um, look, we, I know that, uh, I, I want, I want people on Brew Who Report to get to know you because to me, you represent so much of, uh, of what women on the Bruja Report are. Like a lot of these women have been in like really serious situations. A lot of them have kids. A lot of them have kids with health issues. Everybody's working hard, but putting in the spiritual work. But uh, my baby boy. Sorry. No, don't be sorry at all. This is like how everyone on Bruja Report is. Like how many of us have showed up on calls and our kids are like climbing over us. One of... Uh, uni the whole time on empress we all hung out with her son every single call elijah because okay. uh, that's my life i like never get a break I'm yeah but working. we but here on bruja report that's how we all are and like we accept that yeah no, I, I know that's why i love it that's why i'm so drawn to you guys i i've been super lonely it's like really lonely especially a complex medical need yeah, even your closest it's okay. okay well look I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go but check this out this is what I wanted to tell you I'm just gonna put you okay. on, I'm just gonna put you on mute so that uh um so what I would like for you to do is to make a to make us an Amazon wish list or even just a list in your notes and be adding to it all the time be adding to it all the time like what do you need girl if you need socks and underwear if you need uh, like if there's, if, if you need money to build a website, to do something that you're doing, like if you need help, let us help you. A lot of us have Amazon wish lists, but we're always putting up like, this is, um, this is what we need because there's a lot of us here, myself included, that want to help you, but we can't help you if we don't know how. Yeah. I'm like, we want to help you also emotionally because this is what the Bruja Report is all about. Like, honey, you've been, you're, you're putting your head down and doing it. But like you are also the one who wins the struggle and like you're in the struggle right now, you yeah. know, like, so if there's anything we can do to help you out, um, you know, if you need a listening ear, if you need an Uber, if you need new blankets, if you need winter gear, if you need baby clothes, big one, if you need baby boy, do you need baby boy clothes? Cause I have a baby boy. I could, I could you use just that. write on this. Yeah. <laughs> you just write on your wish list everything things that you would be going to Amazon to buy, put it on your wish list and let us know. Just DM the Bruja report. We put it on the stories. Um, and please DM it to me personally, because we would let, like, I, I don't know. I feel like everybody comes to us divinely, but you, but we can't help you if we don't know what you need. And yeah. also it's really toxic to like be sending wishes of help 
because I don't know what's right for you. Like, I don't know what's in your life path. And it's not helpful for me to be always thinking about how hard your life must be. You know, like that's actually not a helpful thought. So I want to think and feel like when you show up on my feed, I want to think and feel that like this woman, yeah, is definitely, is definitely in a difficult situation, but she's got all the support that she needs. And there's a Qigong lesson that I love because in the, in Master Lee's Qigong on YouTube, he always says these like little things, but and they, they kind of pass over you the first few times you hear them because you're like, yeah, 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 I've seen that on like a TJ Maxx art. Um, but then as they like unfold over time and, and one of the ones that he said was like, there are always people around who want to help you, like always. And you can't see most of them, but please, uh, I, I'd like you to just get on this bruja practice that we all have all the time of being connected to our needs. Like, this is what I need. This is what I need. Because when you write it down somewhere and you share it with someone, like the universe can send resources your way. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing more of your journey. And Thank you so much. Honestly, I like, honestly, I don't even ever go on Amazon. I don't even think about stuff for myself at this point. I should, but I definitely, my first thing is just like, I don't have friends, like just even to talk to, like, yeah, I'm in school full time and it's just like, I don't really have a life really. So I'm just, once I get through school and I start doing hair, I think the only thing I just want to be stable and happy with him and have a home. That's like the biggest thing. And that's all of us. Um, I have a friend that would probably do a men, where do you live? I'm in Portland right now, but I'm going to move back to Seattle, I think. I'm like, I'm in between living places because once I graduate, my aunt and uncle can't pay for my childcare anymore because they're helping me. Yeah, yeah. So it's like mostly just like connections and like family because yeah. it's hard. It's hard. Your My blood family, like I love them, but it's it's hard for them, I think, to accept what I'm going through. Oh my god, honey. Take it on. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's all of us on that's all of us on Bruja Report too. And I don't even like Bruja Report's what I'm the most proud of because like we are here to support you. And people here are really cool and they're just like you. I say, like, we're all drinking out of jars. Like yeah. we're all looking at the moon, like we're all doing that. Um, we all have tattoos, we've all probably gone down on a girl, like it's all <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's, it's all relative here but come to all the new moon handles and if it's okay with you ali i'll type her handle and i just don't want to say it on the podcast um all right thank you so much um, i'll see you over here on live bye yes. bye name again wait ajani ajani i love it okay satnam please uh it's really nice to meet you Nice and, to meet you. Oh my God, I almost stopped the recording. We would have been in so much trouble. Um, <laughs> all right, let's keep going. Bye. I'm going to go straight into Q&A here. Um, yeah, bye. Okay, so the, something that I love on Bruja Report is meeting, some of, is, is meeting some of the people that are on here. Like, that's really cool, right? Like, so many of us, we're all super similar. We're all really craving connection. Most of us are full-time moms. Others of us are like full-time business owners. We have like our business babies that we're trying to make work. But what all of us have in common is that like our spiritual growth is the number one most important thing to us.
enough to where we're willing to like put money on an Instagram and actually do this, do this work. And as a result, like we speak really lovingly to each other and we show up and we have a really good time together and people are ma making friends for life in here, which is why like, I don't really fuck with trying to get people on here too much. Cause I'm like, whoever's supposed to be here will. And it's the funnest thing for me. Like on the December 26th is my birthday. I think I'm going to be I'm either 31 or 32, I don't know. Um, but the 26th is my birthday and it's also a new moon circle. And I'm like, dude, that's what I wanna do the most for my birthday. And on Christmas morning, I have a business call with my business partner about the, uh, the clothing line that we're going to do. Listen, honey, I love wearing white clothing, but it gets so dirty. It's gotta be something that you don't have to wash that can fit you before you're pregnant, while you're pregnant, after you're pregnant, always look good on you, last forever. Basically like what Carhartt does for men, durable, you don't have to wash it, it lasts you forever. Like I don't understand why new women companies are continuing to hand bomb fashion looks that are completely unsustainable. Like we're talking about sustainability, but like nobody, listen, kids destroy your shit. Yes or no? Fucking kids come at you with their spaghetti hands. Every, you've got to be able to pull your boobs out of everything. The looks like there's clothes that we can't wear for six years if we breastfeed two, two kids in a row. They're, and they're like, no, we need stuff. We need stuff that doesn't need to be washed, that doesn't need to be ironed, that doesn't need, that can take a real beating and always look good on us. But I love like, we're both witches. You know, I met this chick when I was like 14 years old, just coming out of a cult. Uh, I think it was 15 actually, just coming out of a cult, super shell shocked. And uh, her and I were two witches living in like surf town. Like the, you won't find somebody more opposite of a surfer than me. Like I'm the complete, complete opposite end, uh, complete opposite end of the spectrum. And uh, her and I have known each other for a long time. So, but I love that, you know, when you've got pagan, when you've got witch moms, like Christmas is just any other day. So we can book our business, our biggest business meeting of the year, like on, on Jesus's birthday. So Satnam, all right, let me go over here. I'm so excited though. And is anybody else really feeling like this is the year? Like that 2020 is just, I've been so pumped that I just can't contain it. I'm like, ah, I like, cause I just know everything's going to pop off. I'm not even kidding. I was doing um, Kriya for Becoming Enchantingly Beautiful yesterday, singing. What was I singing? Uh, oh, Ekonkar. Um, and tears were just rolling down my face because I was seeing all of these snapshots of the future. And I'm like, I can't, I was remembering the future. I was like, I can't fucking believe how good my life is, how good my life is getting these memories, this laughter. Like I was just completely overwhelmed. And, uh, I was talking to my friend Kim, who hopefully, tit bullying, I call this, uh, who hopefully is going to do a Ab Abby Galvin teacher training with me. I heard I've had a really weird home practice that, and I've always been about home practice. That's my secret is always home practice. So no therapists just doing, I've gotten a lot of mentors and coaches, but I spend a lot of time by myself asking myself difficult questions. And like, even with a, a kid, like I have to choose instead of doing dishes to go and like ask myself difficult questions or, uh, you know, really like work on, work on myself. Um, 
And I just completely forgot what I was going to say because I thought I saw a spider on the ground and I'm really doing my best. I, I, I really don't like spiders and a lot of times I want to just smack them, but, uh, but I'm really trying not to do that because that's the Hitler side of me. And if you guys do Wheels Reinvented or you've ever done any of my um, work on like heart work, you have to accept all sides of yourself as being true. That's the only way people can't hurt your feelings. So like if I, if I say, yeah, it's a hundred percent, I am like Hitler, you should see me when I'm trying to like kill a bug that's gotten on my nerves. If you call me Hitler, it's not going to hurt my feelings because I'm like, yep, it just passes right through you. And it's really, you know, you can't be authentic if you're not totally secure in who you are. And as long as like other people tell you who you are, oh, you're Hitler. And it like sends you spiraling out. You have to like, use all of your energy to defend it, all of your energy to be like, no, like that's not me. Wasting all of your time, building no resilience in your body. There's like the biggest drain. You have to be able to, this is, this is mirroring work that I've been doing for a long time, but it's been reaffirmed by my study of the work of Gurdjieff, where it's like, just why is it that when somebody, you can say, I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect all your life. And then one person is like, yeah, you're not perfect. Here's how. And you like hate them and will never speak to them again. There's this person who was having this, was just like had broken up with a really good friend of mine. And she had asked me for a lot of advice, like in the past. But uh, she was like making a big scene on social media. And so I reached out to her. I was like, girl, you should like chill for a little bit, for real. Like you're being really mean right now. And she blocked me. And I was like, dude, it's so funny because so many people will want to be friends with you as long as you never call them out on their shit. And like, for me, my friends, they're always able to call me out on my shit. But for the most part, like we never really talk about spiritual stuff. Cause like, I like them how they are. And they never hit me up being like, Hey, I have a problem. Can you help me with it? Like, it's just never really been like that. Like we're happy to help each other out, but it's not just, you know, trying to get advice from me. And as a coach, you have to learn how to discern between people that actually want to be your friend and people that are looking up to you in a, in a spiritual way, because you know, like when people fuck their students and stuff. You really shouldn't be fucking your students. At least this is how I feel because that person thinks of you as like their guru and you're usually able to convince them to let you be whoever the fuck you feel like being, but you're always working on them and you're always trying to bring them up to your level. And I think that it's super, I think that it's super abusive. Like it's one thing when the student is also a teacher and maybe like Colleen Sedman and Rodney Yee, like those two were obviously really meant to be together. She was a teacher, but she was attending his class. But I mean, if somebody has been coming to you for mentorship, you kind of have to hold that role for them. You kind of have to not ever unload your baggage onto them. And that's why it's really important to charge people for this type of stuff because you're like, look, you need a teacher. I speak your language. I would be doing you a disservice if I started dumping my shit on you. Be like if I started dumping my shit on you the way you dump your shit on me, then you wouldn't be able to see me like a teacher so well. Like, and it's not professional and it's not boundaried. So that's why, yes, I'm happy to charge you to listen to your stuff. We can have a one-way relationship. You don't have to call me on my birthday. You don't have to worry about my feelings, but you shouldn't coach your friends. You shouldn't coach your friends ever um, because it's not very nice. And your friends are people that you don't want to change. But if you're coaching somebody else, you do need to be charging for it. You can choose to barter or charge like actual cash money for it, which I definitely recommend. I don't do bartering at all, but um, bartering is a big money block. So if you're low on cash, it's because you're bartering. Bartering even one place 
means that you're leaking money and you're not able to, to get cash. And that's what my workshop breaking broke is about. But anyways, I'm just feeling like 2020 is the friggin' year. Um, I'm so, what was I, why was I thinking about this person blocking me? Oh yeah. But like, I told her something that she didn't want to hear and she's just like, nope. And like, that's not true. And she'll spend a lot of time like defending that. Like you're so wrong about me. I'm like, great. Like that's, but it moves through you a lot quicker. If I was like, even if it's something hard to hear, like you're, a, uh, you're like Hitler hearing that I could take that and spend like, or you're a racist or you're a misogynist. I could spend like four days thinking about that. You're white privilege. That's your privilege shocking. I could spend like four days being like, Oh, like that really hurts my feelings. And that's not true. And I'm going to prove to you that that's not true. Or I could just be like, yeah, you're probably right. You can be right and just keep on moving throughout my day. That's the power of divine feminine. Divine feminine doesn't need to be right. That's literally her power because it's like, instead of duking it out on the battlefield, like, dude, I'm so fucking sick of watching fight scenes. I'm watching, uh, Patrick and I were watching Outlander, which is uh, sex scenes and torture, sex scenes and torture. And sometimes the torture scene lasts for like three episodes. I'm like, I can't watch this. It's so low vibration. I don't watch blood stitching up stuff. Like this is disgusting. I don't want to see that. And then Patrick's like, oh, well, let's watch Vikings instead. And that's like blood, like on the battlefield. I'm like, I can't watch shows anymore. I have to take a break. If it, if it was me, like I would, I would love five seasons of Outlander where it was just them living at Lollybrock, having sex, having babies and gardening. No plot twists, no invasions, just them living happily ever after, day in and day out. I need like Little House on the Prairie, but Outlander. I'm going to make, I'm going to make that. Hey, Stephanie, how's it going? Okay. So let's get over to questions here. Cause I'm a, yeah. I used to watch so much murder investigation, says Alicia. I cannot anymore. Yeah, girl, I feel you. I also used to read, it, it, there's a show of it on Netflix now, but I, I, was, I lived in New York for a long time and I al always read The Times. Now The Times is a rag, I've got to say. Like, it, it, I can't, the quality of their journalism has gone down so much. It's such a rag. So hateful. There's so much like hate in there. I'm like, geez, and I love, you know, I, I still love a lot of the articles on it. But to be honest with you, I only ever read really read like the style section and the Sunday I did the crossword. I was an avid crossword doer. I could do up to Wednesday by myself and then always the Sunday crossword. And, um, and I just love it. Like I've always, I've always been a, a words person, but there used to be a column in the New York times magazine called diagnosis. And it was basically like, it would tell you a bunch of symptoms and you would say what you would try and guess. And other doctors would try and guess what the person was sick with. I used to be quite a hypochondriac and that's why I chose to do an unassisted pregnancy and also an unassisted childbirth because I knew that that would be compounded and then transferred to my kid. I knew that I had the potential to be the type of mom that would like never let her kid out of the house um, and be like, you know, like a like, like some weird character on a Louis C.K. Uh, skit or something or his show, Louis C.K. or like the mom that only feeds her kid raw ground beef. Like that could totally be me. And I knew that I wanted to tap into the trust, you know, and trust that like my body was uh, and his body that we were safe and that we could do this. And, and it really, uh, it really changed me. Okay. So first question, wanted to ask if, 
we don't do Subhag Kriya for a few days because of body illness. Do we carry on till mark the 40 days? Thank you. So I've had a total like Kundalini renaissance because I stopped doing it. I, I realized that I'm perfect the way that I am right now. And the way that I come to things is like how I come to things. And look, I'm a mom, like I've been meaning to ask like some of the real Kundalini people that have kids like Guru Jas or or something and be like, how do you do sadhana? with kids? How do you wake up and do like long car for two and a half hours? How do you do like a 90 minute Kriya when you also have a kid every single day? Like, how do you, how do you do that? Um, because I must be missing something here because for my life, it seems damn near impossible. And even when I was like single, it was still very hard for me to get to my Sobhag Kriya every day, but that was really something that like it, it taught me a lot about showing up for something. And because there's always a balance of working hard and surrendering, I really love to work hard in Kundalini because I can like get my rocks off there. And it teaches me that like, if I keep like, it feels really good to put in hard work and get results. So I like working hard on my practice and then kind of resting on my practice too. You know, the thing about Kundalini yoga is that you're building a force and directing it towards a, a specific result. You're building a, a power, like almost like being able to build a fireball and then, you know, hurl it wherever it is that you want, most want to see results. Um, the thing is, is like, I'll try, I've gotten a lot better I've been like, look, I'm doing, I'm doing this for 40 days every day, no matter what, with feeling, not sitting there just moving my arms, you know, vain repetitions, like Jesus would always say, babbling, but not feeling anything. Um, I'm like, I'm going to show up to my practice and always do it with a whole heart. Do it remembering that I don't have to do it. Like I used to do Kundalini yoga feeling like I have to do it. Now I do it because I, I choose to do it. I want to do it. I like the way that showing up every day makes me feel. I like taking that time for myself. I like having a specific place where I'm focusing my energy. I like knowing at the end of the day that even if I didn't do anything else, at least I still kept up with my Kriya. So now I've got a lot more. I'm a lot less likely to miss a day because of the intention that I go into it with. And I always say at the beginning of practice, like I choose to be here. I'm so grateful to be here. I like being here because I like the way that it makes me feel. And I smile and I use the Kriyas like they're meant to. I don't do it because I have to. So with that intention, I skip a lot less days. But look, with Sobhag Kriya, like the first time I did Sobhag Kriya after Reiner, you know, he was only a couple of weeks old and we were doing it all together. Um, or maybe, or I was just doing it. I wasn't doing it on on the Bruja report, which we will be doing again. It's either, it's probably going to be in February. I just haven't really locked it down yet. Um, but we're all going to be doing Sobhag Kriya together again for 40 days. And like sometimes, dude, like I was just so tired, I couldn't do it. You can do it mentally, but you need to. Here's the thing. If you do it mentally, it's almost harder than doing it physically. You will like actually sweat, but you need to have your timer and you need to have the song there and you need to listen to it in your mind and visualize yourself doing the motions the whole time. I would even do it like really small with my fingers um, because sometimes I'd be lying in bed with Reiner and I just couldn't get up to go do a Kriya and he needed mommy all day. So like I couldn't do it, but it's the intention with which you do it. You know, if you're feeling something while you're doing it, if you're like, yes, like this is why I'm here and let's build that prosperity. Let's get that bread. Like, come on, let's do this. Um, 
then that's what's so powerful. You know, it's like combining that intention with the force you're building with movement and with pranayama and with mantra. It's like very, very, very powerful. Um, but you have to want to do it because anything you do because you feel like you have to does not count. It doesn't count. It doesn't matter. It's mechanical goodness. The law of mechanical goodness is one of the 48 laws that we live under on earth. And that's what I teach in the school, which like, dude, I love all of my offerings because I'm a motherfucking G at doing what I do. And like, I've taken so many courses with other people that were just like ratcheted together, didn't think about the customer experience at all. And were usually more expensive than what I was charging. And like, at first I was like, are these people teaching me that I have to have better boundaries, that I have to like not over deliver, that I should be charged more for what I do. But honestly, like I know my people, I know breaking broke is worth $2,000. I know it's better than that other $2,000 course. I know that. I know that. But I also know who you are. Like Bruja is my people. Like I pay so much attention to these women. Everybody is trying to get their car fixed. Everybody's trying to manifest more money. You guys don't have two grand and I'm not going to make shittier products or just charge more for them and just manifest like a new level of customer because like I really feel the most, it doesn't matter. I don't feel like a financial divide. I resonate. It's been so cool to me to learn how to make more money, but I feel like when I come on here and I talk about business and I talk to you guys about business, you understand that like I'm one of you too, but like you can become super rich without ever being an asshole without ever being an asshole. And I just love giving people the equipment to do stuff like that. Be like, here's passive income. My affiliate program is so fucking good. And I'm literally just like handing money to people, especially for the more expensive ones, like Wheels Reinvented. I'm like, go buy from my affiliate because I believe in what I do so much. I believe passive income can change everyone's life. So I give it to people straight up. You don't have to start a new project. I don't have to make a workshop for you so you can know how to do passive income. I can literally hand it to you. And I have an affiliate call once a month. Go check everestasher.com slash events for that. But I have an affiliate meeting every month where I'm like, here's how I can pay you to do what you were already doing. Let me support you. Let me pay you for what it is that you're already doing. And um, I just really believe that a rising tide lifts all ships. And I'm just determined to be the tide everywhere in life. So like, how can I make the best possible customer experience? How can my assistants will tell you, just put the whole thing, here's what I want to do. They put it all together. And then I say, walk me through like a customer. Give me something that I can do so I can see what the customer is experiencing. Are they getting an email the second they buy that product? Are they getting a thank you from me? Yo, thank you for this. Are they getting their product right away? Do they feel like love? Are there people that they can talk to about it? Is our support system working? Is everybody that works for me happy? Is there, are there people, it, does everybody feel like they're getting their needs met? And how can I over deliver and how can I keep it cheap? And how can I make this greater for everybody? Like this is always where I'm working. Um, and I just, uh, I just love it. So, but I, I do want to say about 
um, so bon Cria and stuff like that. Like if there, there's been days where I just couldn't do it happily. And if I can't do it happily, it's wasted work. Oh, and what I was saying was like, this is what I teach in, in the school, which is one of my favorite things that I do, but like everything's my favorite thing that I do. And next week we're doing the Q and A for the school and Stephanie Kaby, who's my assistant, but also just dear to my heart. And she's done wheels reinvented. She's just amazing. This beautiful, like Nordic looking beauty. She's just so, oh, she's just such an amazing person. And she makes uh, my life so much easier, but her and I are going to be uh, helping you find the right Kriya for you as per the work that we are doing in, in the school. Um, but if I couldn't do so bug Kriya happily, there's no point in doing it. There's no point in doing it. So what I do on those days, and I've maybe taken four hall passes, my whole Kundalini career, maybe four days. Um, I just will let myself not do it for that day. And if I was scheduled to end on January 24th, I make a note, okay, I'm going to do it on January 25th. So I don't do 39 practices because I skipped a day. I do 40 and I end a day later. I would recommend doing that. And you know what? Like it'll teach you, Ernest Hemingway said, always do sober what you said you do drunk. It'll teach you to keep your mouth shut. I really recommend this with Kundalini yoga. It's super tempting to want to do every Kriya and be like this one, this one, this one, this one, and then not do any of them. When you say you're going to do things and you don't do them, it creates shame. And shame is one of the biggest blocks to making money. Shame is the second chakra. And, uh, and we work that obviously in Wheels Reinvented. Okay, let me, oops, I lost my question board. Yeah, I love that question too. It's, a, it's hanging at the New York City Public Library, I believe. I, I was telling Kim about this. I was like, I know, I know it's not technically true, but I feel like New Yorkers are superior people because that's like the New Yorker complex though. And New York is such a small place. Like I remember feeling like I was at the top of my game. I was, this sounds so stupid to say it now, but like my boyfriend was a famous bartender in New York and his dad was a super famous bartender in New York. And I could walk into just about any bar in New York and drink for free the whole time I was there because I was also a famous bartender in New York. I had my own like, you know, and, but outside of New York and even outside of these neighborhoods, like all of this fucking construct, this ego, this who I thought I was, was not only like, total bullshit, completely irrelevant in the outside world. But I was convinced that like these, these pieces of my identity were not only a hundred percent me. I was totally identified with my own identity that was irrelevant outside New York. But I also thought that this identity was better than a lot of other people. And if you've had friends that have moved to New York and like come back and are always, so many people have friends like this because it's the New Yorker superiority complex, you know, going to visit California and talking shit about LA. Oh, everyone's so plastic here and the traffic is so bad here and everyone's on the green juice and everybody's got this. It's like, oh, shut up. You're so stuck in your fucking New York ways. Like the world is big. And like this whole, like, come on, like, what are you stupid? Like move to A to B, like, like it's, it actually doesn't work in under other countries. It's something that you're going to have to unlearn, but still with all this unlearning in my heart of hearts, I'm like, yeah, but New Yorkers are so cool. And there's definitely something, you know, that living in New York does to you. It hardens you in a lot of ways. It, you have to learn how to tune other people's suffering out and it can become like very insular. But any New Yorker will tell you like, it's just got a magic. And if it's for you, like it's got to be for you. I lived there for 11 years and I just loved it. Um, 
Okay, I'm really curious to know your desire map, core desired feelings for 2020, if you've picked out any yet. Did I have words for 2019? Okay, so I started doing that desire map stuff, but honestly, it was just like, so it was a lot of rephrasing questions that I pretty regularly ask myself, and I didn't resonate with all, with all of that, but um, I'll tell you off the top of my head some of that my number one all-time favorite feeling to feel ever is naughty <laughs> naughty i love i love feeling like i get to misbehave i can't tell you like there's this this like naughty feeling so some of the the like vignettes and stuff that i'm imagining for 2020 is like me and my business partner just laughing cackling like witches having espresso with lemon peel and like the amalfi coast you know, shaking espresso and just laughing, smoking weed, being like, can you believe we're making this much money? Like, can you believe how much fun this is? And, and that's why I love smoking weed because weed makes me always feel like I can't believe my life is this good. And when I have boundaries, like for example, I've never enforced Never enforced, and I mean like enforced means I told you it's going to be this way, and I'm going to be a fucking bitch to you until it's this way. Like for real, if I'm going to work at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to work at 10 o'clock in the morning. I don't give a shit. I'm walking out that door. But when I have those two hours to do my work, instead of cramming in at nap time when I'd rather be doing something else, I don't really nap. It's not that I'm tired. I'm just not a napper. And I think a lot of brujos aren't nappers either um, and never have been wide awake children, just like my son, just like uh, my business partner's daughter. Um, it's just, uh, I feel like I can't believe my life is so good when I have two hours to just come and like do my work. Or, you know, or, and not have to rush to come teach a lecture and not have to rush to get everything set up and like be dealing with technical difficulty. And like my, I'm, I'm, I'm the breadwinner. My husband takes care of the baby. I'm like, I get to have, I only yesterday in tears because every time I put a boundary up, I'm usually like in tears. And I, I, I try to emphasize this with y'all because like, it's very, very hard to have boundaries. We were taught not to have them by our mothers. We were taught not to have them by society. And the fear of like being selfish or being a bitch is one thing that we have to get over. But when you're installing boundaries, especially with people that you love, it is super hard. Like it's super hard. And you have to, it's super fucking hard. And like, no one, no one's ever told me this before. Like, listen, you have to, if you go one day without your boundaries, then like I can miss one day, but I won't miss two. That's my commitment to myself for 2020. I can miss one day, but I'm not going to miss two. I take the weekends off. So we don't need work schedule on the weekends. We can all have a break. I don't have to work from, from 10 to 2.30, from 10 to 1230. But I only demanded I need special privileges because I'm the working mom and I need more time than you. And it's not going to be fair. Like right now, Patrick and I split all the time 50-50. He gets roughly like three hours to himself and I get roughly three hours to myself. Now I'm like, no, I need five hours. I need five hours. You've got to watch the baby five hours every day. And you know what? I'm okay with that. But I felt like such a bitch. And then today, you know, I'm like, I'm like, you have to be here at 9.55. All of a sudden it's fucking 10.15. And I'm still like with the baby. And I'm like, you're making me late. And don't ever do this again. 
And I hate having to be like that. But look, when I don't have boundaries, when I don't have boundaries, I feel like my relationship is unsustainable. I feel like my business is unsustainable. I feel like being a mom is unsustainable when I don't have boundaries. Seriously, I'm like, how am I going to get through this? And I get through it every day, but I'm not looking ahead towards the future like anything is possible. I'm looking ahead towards the future like nothing is possible. And like, I don't ever want to have conversations with my husband about him being late, but I, I allow that to happen. If I were to be like, okay, you're not here at 10 o'clock. I'm going to go to where you are. I'm going to hand you the baby and I'm going to walk away because I would rather hand you the baby and walk away and not be resenting you than be waiting as half an hour of my time slips by resenting you like in the long term. I would rather be like a bitch for a minute than resenting you in the long term. And I have a commitment to myself too, because if I tell, you know, if I have to have like a, a sharp, I don't want to say a sharp word because it's not sharp. It's just very firm. If I have to be very firm about my boundaries, it's tempting for me to spend the next hour of the day like being mad. Or if he's running late, it's tempting to me to like be, be mad until he shows up. Does anyone else like resonate with this? You know, like you're just stewing, you're washing the dishes. Where the fuck are you? You're never fucking here. What the fuck is going on? To the point that like when they show up at the door, you're so pissed that like you can't even chill. And those whole 20 minutes when you could have been playing with your kid, you know, you were just hating. And you wasted that time. So I make a commitment to myself of not stewing about things. It's almost like an extra, like, fuck you to the person. Like, I'm going to walk away from being mad at you. And I'm going to go do 15 things that I'm grateful for. And I'm going to resume my life and enjoy my time like a, a normal human being. I'm never going to, like, let myself feel bummed out about it. I'm not, I give myself, I have the right to not lose time being angry at you. But I can also make this easier for myself. I'll be a bitch for one minute and go on living my life as happily as before. It's going to be really hard in the beginning. Every time we rechange our schedule, it's super difficult. Within a few months, it naturally comes undone. I fucking start freaking out. But I don't want to freak out again. I don't want to argue anymore. So for 2020, I'm being really adamant about like meeting my boundaries and not being afraid to, to be a bitch for one minute versus resenting my partner for my whole life. Because all, I know so many marriages that have ended in divorce and it always happened the same way. Who here has seen the movie Marriage Story on Netflix? You remember where at the end they're trying to work it out and then they get in that like horrible fight. They're trying to work it out without a lawyer and they get in such a horrible fight. It's because when you've been resenting somebody quietly the whole time, you didn't want to be a bitch for one minute because you're like, oh, you know, nobody's, nobody likes an angry woman or whatever. You don't want to be a bitch for one minute. So instead you just went with the flow, went with the flow, went with the flow for 10 fucking years. And then all of a sudden it all spills out. It can't be unsaid. And you can actually never look at somebody again because for 10 years they've been watching you, knowing what it is that hurts you, knowing what it is that you can't stand to hear, wanting subconsciously to get you back every time you're late, every time you do the same thing that you always do. You unleash that resentment, then marriage never comes back from that. And the kids don't get to see mommy and daddy at the same time anymore. Like that's, no matter how amicable the divorce is, the kids don't get to see mommy and daddy at the same time anymore. Well, there's a lot of people for whom like that's their destiny. And like only you know if you should be in a marriage or not. But for real, um, it's a lot better to just be a bitch in a minute. And when I do have boundaries, I feel like my life could not get better. 
I feel like I can't believe like this is my life. And my number one feeling to feel is that naughtiness. I'm doing yoga on the floor. I'm smoking weed. I'm writing the posts that I need to. I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling bad about having been on Instagram for 40 minutes trying to really write something exactly the way that I need it to be. I'm not rushing anywhere. So when I have boundaries, I feel like my life couldn't get better. When I don't have boundaries, I feel like my life couldn't get worse. Are your boundaries somebody else's responsibility? Yes or no? No. If somebody else has a boundary problem, can they get through your boundaries? Yes or no? No. Nobody else has a boundary problem. Only you have a boundary problem. Somebody could, have, could always be late. Somebody could always you know, be giving you TMI questions. But if you have boundaries, it doesn't touch you. Yeah. So I'm really focusing on, and as a mom, boundaries are really hard. So I think that my word for 20, my word for 2020, or the feeling I most want to feel is that feeling of like naughtiness of just feeling like, I don't know, like, why, hey, guru, like, I can't believe that uh, I, I want to feel stimulated stimulated. I want to feel like every inch of my body is covered with a clit that's like 90 million times more sensitive and the whole world is going down on all of them is how I want to feel. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> Anybody else like I'll have what she's having? <laughs> I want to be really beautiful too, but like beautiful is radiance and uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Okay. There are some people we are not jealous of and people who we accept as who they are, but don't flow with and have to maintain boundaries. We don't flow with them naturally, whether it's different frequencies, preferences, or desires. Do you hear, agree about this? I like literally don't understand what this says. There are some people we are not jealous of and people who we accept as they are, but don't flow with and have to maintain boundaries. I, I don't really, to me, that's like not saying anything. So it's like, okay, like, why do we have to get so spiritual about stuff? You either like a person or you don't, right? Yes or no. You either vibe with someone or you don't. So look, check this out. My friend Liliana, my business partner, I vibed with her immediately. Her and I didn't talk for like 10 years, but the second we saw each other again, the friendship was reignited just like that. I had other friends. I met, when I met Liliana, I didn't think this person's going to be in my life forever. When I met my other best friend, Tyler, my other best friends have died. So there, but I felt the same way about them. Like I, I really, I, yeah, I thought they would, the people I thought would be in my life forever have not been. And the people that just kind of showed up one day and just like, and they were just there one day and they never left. But I've had friends who like, I thought were really cool and I really wanted to be friends with them. And all of those friendships fizzled. And like at the end of the day, the reason why those friendships were fizzled because I thought, I'm having a hard time with my sentences, but the reason why those friendships fizzled is because at the end of the relationship, I realized that they were exactly the same as my first impression of them. But my first impression of them was like, you're mean. Like you're mean, you do things at the expense of other people. Like, yeah, you dress really cool and everyone wants to be around you and you're the drunkest and you're the funnest and you drive and all of that. But like you do mean things to other people. You say mean things about other people and you're actually like mean to me. And those people, I thought that they were the right friends for me. But when I looked at it, when the relationship inevitably ended, sometimes after like 15 years, I was like, I've never liked you. 
I've never liked you. Seriously. I've never liked you in my gut. I like, yeah, you're nice and everything, but also like, I've seen you do some whack shit and I've done some whack and you've been a bad influence on me and me looking up to you has caused me to do stuff. Like I remember I toilet papered this house and trashed this kid's car and I didn't even care about it. I was just leaving to New York the next day. And my friends were like, oh, we have to go toilet paper houses because you've never done it. I actually like almost died that night because, um, oh, I can't even, the, to summarize, we egged this chick's house. Her mom chased us in a high-speed chase, almost ran us off the road. 10 years later, her and I ended up hooking up. Isn't that strange? Um, and we're still, we're still friends to this day. But, she, uh, but I also kind of thought that she was mean when I first met her. But I, had, I didn't want to do any of that, but I went along with it because I wanted to be cool. I had picked friends who I didn't like originally, like right off the bat. And as a result, like I became like them. So if you don't like somebody, don't like pull cards on them. If you feel like you shouldn't be hanging out with them, fucking don't because you're going to become like them. And I understand that a lot of women feel like it's slim pickings for, you know, supportive female community. Where am I going to find somebody that's like me? Where am I going to find somebody that also does spiritual work? I'm telling you, that's why we made Bruja Report. So like have really high standards when it comes to your friends. Okay, wonderful. Look, I told Patrick I was going to try and be there by 1230. It's 12.03 right now. My phone's about to die. And um, I'm... Well, this person that asked this question is now asking me a comment on uh, the live. So let me read this. Um, yeah, there's people we just don't vibe with. It's, look, honey, you can save so much time when you trust your gut. When you're not questioning if what you want is bad and you're like, this is not the best friend I'm going to get. I, I know this chick is really cool and everything, but like I'm looking for somebody that's stronger, that's wiser, that's not suicidal, that's not in SOS mode, that isn't always getting into trouble, that isn't unreliable. I want somebody who just like my true friends showed up one day and didn't leave. Stable. I'm an earth sign. I need stable people. People that aren't constantly just like, my emotion told me this, my emotion told me that, and like are always having a meltdown. Like, I just can't do that. I'm like, oh my God, do some fucking work on yourself. Like, I don't, because I don't do that to other people. I don't do that to other people. Like, I, I stayed in some relationships for a long time because like, I remember I was asked in front of about 2000 people at IIN why I loved my fiance at the time. And the only thing I could think of, nobody had ever asked me that because people don't ask you, what do you love about this person? You know? Like, so I was about to marry somebody that the only thing I liked about them was that I had been so tolerant of their fucking craziness and their alcoholism and their abuse that if I ever went crazy, I knew that he wouldn't leave me because I'd put up with his shit and he had put up with mine. But when I realized that I would never treat somebody like that ever, I was getting sober. I knew that it was just never going to happen. I was like, yeah, I'm never going to do that to somebody. I've never done it in the past, or actually I've done a lot of that in the past, but I made the decision with getting sober that I was never going to be that person again, like ever. So I was like, oh, I don't love you. I don't love you. But like, we lose so much time. Like our intuition tells us no. 
and our intellect ride overrides it. So your body speaks to you and th- you know, your, your guides speak to you in three different ways. There's instinct, intellect, and there's instinct, intuition, and intellect. Intellect is the highest level of a three-story house. The middle level is the emotions. This also corresponds to the belly and the gut. Then there's the, uh, then there's the instinct. This is connected to the root. This is fourth way work, not chakra. Um, but so the instinct, first of all, tries to communicate to us that we shouldn't do something. Now the instinct never gives you a reason. It'll be like, don't walk down that fucking alley. And it won't tell you why. And you can either listen to it or you can't. It won't give you a reason. It's very easy to override because sometimes it tells you to do things that are ridiculous. When you don't listen to your instincts, you regret it. Yes or no. Okay. But what talks you out of your instincts? Don't walk out down that alley. And then a voice comes up and says, why not? You've walked down this alley a billion times. You go this way and it's going to take you twice as long to walk the other way. That's your intellect talking. So then your intuition, your feelings, your emotions try to tell you. So intuition, feelings also communicates through feelings. So it'll feel bad. Every time you hang out with this person, you leave smiling, but it's hollow smiling. You're like, I feel pretty shit about that. They make jokes at your expense and it feels bad. So our emotions try and communicate with us are like, listen, don't fucking do that. Like, this is why you feel so bad. And your intellect comes in again is like, ignore it. You're not being spiritual. You're being judgmental. Your intellect tries to talk you into doing, because here's the function of the intellect. Like the emotions also don't give you that good of a reason, but you can piece it together if you're willing to investigate. But the thing is, is that the intellect only gives reasons. So that's why like every time you're asking, you're, you know, when you can't get an answer for something because you can see all sides of the argument, you know, you're like trying to do pros and cons list. You still can't make a decision because you'll be like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and go full time. And then another voice comes and is like, don't do that. What if this happens? You know, but it goes back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The intellect is so useful because it supplies us with reasoning and supplies us with logic. But what it does as a part of that, it's like AI getting carried away with itself, is it starts talking us into that we don't need our instinct, that we don't need our intuition, that we shouldn't trust it. And it can go on talking like that for decades, for like a whole lifetime. And, and the problem with intellect is that it, it says, well, I won't do anything unless there's a good solid reason for it. So it can, it can actually put a total stop to you making any kind of quick movement or quick decisions. You know, like we have to be able to make decisions in a snap. And like, that's why I think I'm able to move so well in business is because like, like other entrepreneurs who are connected to themselves, like, like Richard Branson can make decisions in a snap. You know, I'm like Hitler in, in some ways, but I'm like Richard Branson in other ways where like, I don't have a lot of interruption. If I really want to do something, I know because I've done the work reels, reels reinvented specifically. Like I know that if it makes me happy, it's what I'm meant to have. So if it makes me happy, I don't try to shut it down. I try to make it work. And that's such a different way of being because most of us, when we have something we want, we do everything we can to shut it down. Think about when you were on the Atkins diet and you were craving a croissant, but you're not allowed to have carbs. Think of how you would hammer at that desire, trying to force it to go away, shaming yourself, calling yourself fat, being like, why do I, why can't I finish any diets? Nobody's going to love me if I'm fat. 
But for me, I'm allowed to have croissants. So when I wake up in the morning wanting a croissant, my fucking pussy is wet because I know I can have it. And where somebody else who does not give themselves permission to want because they're so convinced they don't deserve it, because they're believing lies about themselves, This person where I'm experiencing nothing short of ecstasy, this person is experiencing nothing short of agony and it's a false world they live in in their head. Because desire moves me, I not only get what I want, but I get it fast. And this is what we have to learn how to do. But so many of us are just trying, are shaming ourselves for the things that we want. Convinced because we were molested when we were young that like what we want is bad. Because when somebody molests you when you're young, a lot of times like, like, like glazing over a pearl, we convince, we fetishize it. We convince ourselves that that's something that we wanted, that it's our fault for that to, for happening to us that it's our fault. You internalize the abuse. This isn't for everybody, but it definitely is a big thing you should know if you had, um, if you remember some, some sketchy incidents in your childhood. Like you become convinced that what you want is bad. So when you want something, you're like, oh, I'll make it go away. Like, Bleh. and, you, uh, and you, you, you're not accessing your intuition at all and things are really difficult for you. Um, all right. So I want to thank you all so much for being here on the Brew Report today. Stephanie KB, if you're on this, like, let's just pass this raw episode. Let's just pass this raw episode to your podcast guy and see if he can do anything with it. And to make Stephanie's life easier, I'm going to recap this really fast. We talked about a lot of stuff today. We talked about Kundalini Yoga. We talked about Subhag Kriya. We talked about... Um, Oh crap. Somebody asked if I could cover launch strategy. Launch strategy is only something that I can teach an empress, unfortunately. Um, we talked about my favorite words to feel. We talked about how we just need to trust ourselves. And I don't really remember what we talked about in the beginning, but I had a really good time on here. It was so nice to share this with you. Satnam. I'll see you guys on the new moon circle. I'm so freaking excited about that. All right. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.